Welcome to episode 34 of Two Years Away. Uh, I'm Steve, here with everyone's best friend, Brett. Wow, I got a lot of best friends now. That's cool. Hey, you can't have too many best friends. Um, you know what they say, you either have... Uh, no, wait, that, that was not going to work. I was going to do the... I was gonna do, You're like, going to do the two quarterbacks thing. I'm going to do the two quarterbacks thing, and it, um, that was intentional as a, as a fail there, but... Um, I think everyone knows for sure that uh, Brett is their best friend uh, without question. Uh, but anyway, we have uh, an exciting show for you all today. Last time we were with you, we uh, discussed uh, college hoops. We did our annual college hoops podcast and, and what a tournament it was. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that today uh, because today we are solely focused on the NBA trade deadline which is it's probably our second or third most exciting uh, time of the season um, other than the draft and like maybe the playoffs. But uh, a lot specifically has, the game one that the Orlando Magic always win, which they're still going to find a way. You know, actually that you should have saved that comment for like like three minutes from now, because that was going to lead right into the perfect segment of our trade deadline podcast. I can I can I can say it again in three minutes if you want. I, well, now we got to bring everyone back. Got to bring everyone back. Um, we're gonna get to the all this exciting trade deadline uh, <laughs> content here in a second. But before we do that, we're gonna start off with what we start every podcast off with: our running the our running the damn ball segment. Uh, so, Brett, uh, before uh, we get into the trade deadline, tell the fans how you've been running the, the damn ball recently. Yeah, so uh, as as a lot of you have probably noticed, uh, the last few, the last couple of weeks, it's been it's been pretty nice outside. So uh, I've been running the damn ball by just like making an effort to get outside as much as I can. Um, I mean, it's 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 pretty hard, you know, given school and such. But uh, you know, just I went outside and like did some did some reading on on my deck today, and it was it was very nice. So it, it just kind of lifted my mood a little bit. So it was very nice. That's how I've been running the damn ball recently. Awesome. And for, for the first time listeners here, um, our running the damn ball segment um, is when we talk about the uh, the uninspiring things that we do in life uh, just to keep the drive moving. Uh, you know, there are some days where you just got to you got to keep things moving forward. You may not even get a first down, but hey, you know, you're playing for field position some days in life. Um, and in order to do that, you just got to keep running the damn ball. Uh, so, Brett, uh, I am a big fan of of getting outside. Um, my uh, running the damn ball activity of these last two weeks has not involved getting outside. Um, the big thing that I've accomplished was doing my taxes, uh, which is a, a yeah, necessary, that's good. That's good. I love that. I love that. A necessary evil in life, but a patriotic and civic duty nonetheless uh, that we all share as, as Americans here as Brett's making a, a face that's telling me that I need to stop uh, using that terminology to describe doing our taxes. So I'm going to do that and and move along. Brett, do you have anything to say before we finish running the I damn? Do, I do actually. We actually read a case in one of my in one of my uh, my criminal law class about a guy. Uh, the government was suing a guy who uh, took a very interesting interpretation of reading uh, the laws to uh believe that he the the uh, the requirements to pay taxes did not apply to him and was un, was unconstitutional um so you know it varies based on based on your point of view i respect that to be honest um and would welcome 
further discussion on the legal legality of and illegality of certain tax laws. But I think uh, get back at me next semester. Yeah, that's not what the listeners are here for. Um, Although uh, luxury taxes maybe are are something that we might talk about at some point. Wow, excellent transition. I love it. There you go. Um, Well, you know, on that note, we're going to go back to Brett's comment he made uh, probably two minutes ago about the Orlando Magic, who, uh, you know, they were arguably part of the most impactful trade that took place at the trade deadline this year. Um, And despite these trades that they've made, they will likely still end up as the eighth seed in the, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, although it would be amazing if they ended up as the eighth seed in one uh, game run on the playoffs um, at Toronto, but that's not. Uh, I, that's gonna say, I, don't, I, I don't think that's going to work this year. But on a serious note, uh, I believe in my opinion that the Aaron Gordon trade was probably the best haul that anyone hauled in. Um, uh, as a result of like a trade that took place at the trade deadline, uh, forgetting about the the buyouts that happened after for a second. But Brett, curious for your initial thoughts on the Aaron Gordon trade and how that could um, impact the Western Conference uh, uh, title chase. Yeah, sure. So, okay. So I guess first, like kind of just speaking about the magic holistically, they made obviously a bunch of big moves. I'm sure we'll, we'll get there, but uh, really nice job, honestly. Um, you know, you have an all-star, you had, or you had an all-star in Nikola Vucevic and, and a couple other pieces that had trade value. Um, and I, they, they turned into a really, a really nice return, um, for Orlando. Um, I mean, so looking for specifically Aaron Gordon, um, they bring in Gary Harris, they bring in a, kind of a flyer and RJ Hampton and they, they get a first rounder. Um, and you know, that, that, that's a lot of, a lot of really nice pieces for uh, head coach Frank Vogel to deal with. Uh, but no, in, in all honesty, I think, um, you know, the magic are positioning themselves for a rebuild and that's necessary and whatever. So I think looking at, at Gordon specifically, I mean, what, what a great deal for the, for the nuggets. I mean, I think this is, and I, you know, I think we're seeing more and more of this, but like, this is a trade where both sides really ended up kind of improving themselves. You know, Gary Harris is fine. He's a, he's a decent NBA player. He'll start in Orlando. He'll, you know, but he was not the, the, the key to the nuggets by any stretch of the imagination. And Aaron Gordon gives them a lot more positional versatility, a little bit more defense and just more, you know, maybe, maybe a little less shooting, but he's also having a pretty, pretty career year shooting the ball from three. Um, and we're finally kind of seeing that part of his game develop. And he just unlocks so much more for the Nuggets because he can play so many different positions. He can he can play the two he can, if they really need him to. If he can play the three, he can play the four. Gary Harris was kind of slotted into that that tweener like two three position, and especially when you pair with or with now with Vucevic with, with uh, Jokic, I mean that those passing lanes are just going to open up for Gordon to attack the basket, which is what he's really known for offensively. Yeah, well, I actually think I mean my take on this is that. The, the Nuggets seemed like a team that were um, white on paint scoring. And it's, it's odd when you when you say that because, like, you think, okay, they have, like, Jokic, uh, who, who's kind of like a dominant force. Uh, maybe not necessarily like a dominant paint force, dominant force in the game of basketball. But he, he's not, like, strictly a post guy. Like, yes, he can do all this stuff in the post, but, like, he's got a, he's got a jump shot that, that 
playing a lot in pick and roll, and uh, and he's like a distributor too. Uh, but Gordon, I think, also gives them like you know somewhat of an inside presence, really on on both ends of the floor. And not saying that like he can guard like he can't guard like true fives, but like you could stick him on Anthony Davis like if you needed. Um, you know, you could play him in small ball five lineups. Uh, there, there's defensive versatility that I think you were referencing earlier, and um, that that's why, like, I think this trick, like, look, Aaron Gordon was a uh, out of college. I think he was like a he was a, like a flawed project in a way. You know, <laughs> no one knew was he gonna. He he had all that. He had like the length to make you think like, okay, he can be like a superstar. But really, he's He's, he's in a situation now where he's not going to have to carry like too much of the load and he he's he's more than a role player but like he's he's like the third best player on like a championship contending team which is you know That's now ceiling. Third, yeah yeah and and I think I think it works out great and I think the the bigger conversation here is I mean the the west the, the like top half of the west is kind of like inverted right now um it, with with the the regular season the Lakers are having and the Clippers kind of being so so the Suns and Jazz maybe a little bit overachieving like this gives the Nuggets a chance to position themselves for a for a strong seed for the playoffs and maybe you know end up where like okay if there's a game seven it's in Denver um, and not in L A in a series against one of you know those those two teams and and that to me could be the difference in like a series with either the Lakers or the Clippers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, at, at a certain, I feel like, I feel like this Denver team for the past five, you know, maybe not like three years has been very content to like stay the course and just play this out. And this is their first kind of, this is their first move I've really seen without pushing all their chips in. They, you know, they, they, they have, there were more moves I'm guessing that they could have made if they really wanted to, but this is the most I've seen from them really like going all in to, to make an effort to win this year. And I think this year is, that's the right way to do it. I, like you said, just look at what the Western Conference looks like right now. And and the position, the Nuggets are six and a half games back, and, and then it kind of gets muddied uh, for the next, basically through the seven spot. But getting get, getting into that top top three even, um, so one, they're one game back of the Clippers right now, would be would be really huge. Yeah, uh, I, I, I totally agree. Um, so staying with the Magic, now, let's let's talk about the other big deal they made, uh, sending Nikola Vucevic to the the Bulls, um, which there were kind of like a lot of moves that were made, kind of as, as a trickle down of that. Uh, but this this I think shocked a lot of people, just because I, I don't know that it was shocking that like Vucevic was on the move. But I don't know that people were expecting the Bulls to kind of make a win now move. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, it was it was very funny how I found out about this trade because uh, I had I was in class for for part of the day and I had left my phone just elsewhere. Uh, and I came back, I came like I found my phone maybe two hours later, and I think I had eighty seven text messages just between oh my God. several different group chats and and just everyone kind of freaking out about this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean. Looking at it from the from the perspective of a Bulls fan, first of all, you know you see these new you you see Arturis and you see Mark Eversley brought in, and they have a track record for doing what they need to do to make their teams better. We didn't really see that throughout the summer. They they pretty much stayed the course uh, through the summer, besides some 
some veteran acquisitions. Um, nothing really throughout the beginning. And then then this happens, and it's encouraging just from a fan's perspective to say, oh, wow, we're making a move to get another all-star. This, I mean, what is this the biggest move that, I mean, this is easily the biggest move since Jimmy Butler, the Jimmy Butler trade. But, I mean, is is this the biggest, like, transaction in the franchise's history in 10 years? Um, I mean, yeah, you know, the Gasol signing, the Boozer signing, the Ben yeah, Wallace right. signing. That was, right, that was 2010. That was yeah. 11 years ago. So it, that was just refreshing from that perspective. Now, from a basketball perspective, and I think you, you kind of have to look at the, the Vucevic trade in context with the later swap to bring in Daniel Tice, which I think, I, you know, that's fine. Um, so obviously you, you enter a whole new offensive dynamic with a scoring threat like Vucevic playing the five instead of Wendell Carter Jr. That's pretty obvious. Um, I mean, I still think, I think, again, the Magic got a really good deal. They got Carter and they're not going to have to pay him a ridiculous amount of money on his next deal. And they got two first round picks. Like that's, that's a really good haul for a team that's going to be rebuilding. Um, when you look at, so yeah, when you, when you look at Vucevic, obviously the, the offensive efficient, the offensive gains you're going to see once everyone kind of settles down and, and learns how to play with each other is great. Vucevic is a really smart, heady player. He can shoot the ball really well. He's, he's just a great offensive threat. Um, where you're going to see some drop off is on the defensive end. And for, a, I mean, for a Bulls team that already had a lot of trouble playing defense this year, I, you don't really worry about that this year. You're not contending this year. All you want to do is make the playoffs. This gets you closer to that, assuming everyone stays healthy and you don't give up 120 points to the Suns all the time. Yeah, I mean, I actually don't think the... So, I actually... So, to your earlier point, like, they didn't... that The, the Bulls' defense, like, can't get much worse. Right. Um, and... The narrative out there that like Wendell Carter was a good defender, I think, is like abhorrently false. Like I don't, I don't know that they're getting any worse at the center position with with Busevich coming in. And actually, I think like bringing in Troy Brown um, and Daniel Tice kind of actually will probably help their defense. Um, I I agree that those are better defensive players. I'm Donovan hasn't really seemed to set that second unit solidly yet so it could be kind of just up and down based on how he's trying to figure out how those guys True. are but i agree i agree those are those are like that troy brown especially is like a wing defender is something that the bulls really don't have as an established like a, a patrick williams will get there but he's still a rookie yeah no i mean like look this team isn't gonna like leap up the defensive rankings but if you can get yourself from like you know mid-20s to like high like high teens you know that that could be like enough um, especially with the offense they're gonna have. Um, I, I I like the move. I like the move for the Bulls. Um, I think just uh, having a guy that you can throw it into, you know, uh, to as like a run stopper um, that you can, you know, dependably rely on. I think uh, that's important for game flow and just kind of important for a young team to have that type of presence there. And I think Daniel Tice will be a good. I think. The Bulls kind of have a good locker room dynamic with the guys there, despite like some of their struggles. Um, and I think that you know adding the guys they did will only kind of help that and help Donovan kind of continue to build momentum, especially if they can find a way at least into the the play in series this year and kind of keep that going. Um, and I think you know this will like Levine was kind of like 
playing a lot of hero ball and, and kind of carrying his team before that. But, you know, now he's going to learn how to win with a, with the foundation around him. And I think that's going to be good for good for his development. Now, I think there's, there's some questions with, you know, Lloyd Markin in future and whether like Kobe White's the right point guard for this team. Um, I think those will answer themselves, you know, as, as they play out that kind of last month and a half of this season here. Uh, but I think overall, uh, you can never fault. Uh, I've said this a lot as like a, as like an India, Indianapolis Colts fan for football, but you can never fault a GM and ownership group for making moves that signal that they're interested in winning now. And they didn't like mortgage their future to do this. So I think it, I think Colts fans should be happy. Yeah. I mean, anytime you get a current all-star and don't, pay ridiculously like you know ridiculously overpay i think that's cause for celebration and we haven't seen moves like this in a really long time from this franchise that had a history of poor management basically ever since i mean basically ever since jordan left um i will say i was a little bit bummed about giving up a first round pick this year specifically just because i think the draft class even where the bulls would potentially be picking is is very deep and they'd be able to get what they really need out of that draft class, which is a, 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 a wing to develop, you know, alongside Patrick Williams. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I see re- only reason to be, to be happy with, with that trade. I mean, and whether, whether the defense can actually improve is, is um, to be determined. Although I do disagree with you about Wendell Carter being a bad, bad defender, but that's neither here nor there. Um, All right. Well, but, since there's, since there's a lot of happiness in the air, maybe we should use this to transition into the happiest segment of the of the podcast here, um, which, you know, as as you all know, uh, the centerpiece, the featured segment of the podcast is the Jeff Dupont segment where we talk about all things um, average in our lives in honor of our our hero, our patron saint and our idol, uh, Jeff Dupont. He finished his MLB career with a 140 and 146 record and a mid four ERA. Uh, Brett, I'm sure you've been thinking about Jeff a lot in these past weeks. Uh, I really what have is been. your your supon today? Uh, so I, this is going to make you angry, I think, and I'm I'm apologizing in advance. Um, oh. Okay, so as as has been well established, my two favorite days of the year are the first two days of the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is my favorite event in all of sports and I was ecstatic to have it back this year. That being said, the overall quality of the games and excitement factor of the games was very much average, I'd say, over the course of the the 68 games that were played. Um, I think this year especially, we, we, we saw one like buzzer-beating win, two buzzer-beating ties out of the 68 games, which I would, be, would, would begin to believe is... A little bit, you know, is lower than uh, what you normally see, and I just I think overall there were just such there's such a high blowout percentage that it, it and that coupled with just like it still looks weird watching basketball games in an empty gym. Um, it just it didn't quite feel the same. I was thrilled to have it back. That make no mistake, I was thrilled to watch. It was just it just you know the, I think the overall quality was not what we are used to an interesting take and it's actually not an unpopular one uh, uh, yeah it's it's definitely not especially i feel like amongst like college basketball people well okay i guess here's what i'll say that 
I'll say like as a contrarian to that. Sure. Um, so you you know there are definitely upsets, right? Which I think uh, yeah. the, the the good parts of March, and I think while there weren't buzzer beaters, there were a lot of games that were close and like intense down the stretch. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I just it was just like especially like their one final four game in the championship game were like blowouts the entire game, and that just kind of. Sure. Sure. No, I I agree. Well, but I think I think the I think part of the problem of that was so there were a lot because the blue bloods like sucked this year. I think that there were actually a lot of teams that were like overseeded, um, and honestly, like a lot in the Big Ten in particular. But um, even like yeah, you know, I, like I know we went back and forth on this, but like that Arkansas team was not like a three seed. That Texas team was not a three seed. Like Iowa was overrated as like a two seed, um, and I think I think that's not to say that like those teams weren't like resume wise they they deserve that seed relative. It's to just not what you'd expect normally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that is because like Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, I, I guess not so much Kansas, but like some of those blue buds yeah. were, no, were and, like occupying their normal. Yeah. No, that's spot. that's that's totally reasonable. Um, but, but I think what happened on top of that was a lot of those overrated teams got knocked out early. Um, and so then you kind of ended up with a hodgepodge of weird matchups. Because right. really, the the best games, like there's always great first round games, but it's usually the second round in the Sweet 16 where you get like the best games. Um, and I felt that that was a little bit um, lacking. Um, like especially when you have like an Oral Roberts, Florida in the second game, right. you know, or like, um, a, uh, uh, like that Colorado, um, like I, that, oh, like the Florida state, the Florida yeah, state Colorado like, game. Yeah. Like that blowout, like in two teams, yeah. honestly, that like, sucks, you know, yeah. so, um, and you know, like you, you had like an 11 seed in the final four and like a 12 mm-hmm. seed in the elite eight. Like I, I just, I think that's why. Um, yeah, I mean, those teams also put up your, your good fights in those games. So, your point. but yeah, so yeah, that that was that was it. Um, but you know, we had it back, and that's what matters. What do you got? Okay, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you all on a journey um, and tell tell a little bit of a story. Oh, so, um, was playing. <laughs> was playing some pickup basketball. To those of you listening that I play pickup basketball with, um, you might be surprised because this was a, a small moment in in that day there, but one that I thought was uh, particularly notable, at least in the world of average things. So, okay, playing playing pickup basketball, and uh, you know we're we're in the middle of like a like a full court game, and you know we're, our group is on one of the courts. And, you know, there's some other people starting to trickle in, like, onto the other courts. Um, and so, you know, it's, it, right, like, it's a common courtesy when, like, a ball gets knocked out of bounds and it's, like, rolling to someone walking by. You know, you scream, like, hey, like, you know, ball, ball, ball. And, yeah. like, you know, they look up and get it and throw it back to you, right? Right? Like, you're, you're aware of how that works? I feel like I've, I've, yes, 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 I have. I have. Right. Okay, good. Glad you're with me so far. Um, so... Our buddy, uh, our buddy Mike, uh, Brett, you know who Mike is. I know Mike. Um, so, uh, you know, ball, ball in the game, like, you know, starts rolling out of bounds. And 
starts rolling to these two guys that are kind of like walking behind the basket. So Mike screams, <laughs> Mike screams, yo, like ball, 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 like, you know, like any normal person would at the time. Mm-hmm. But so the, the guys pick up the ball and Mike screams at them, yo, have you guys been vaccinated yet? <laughs> and <laughs> two guys just look at him like, like alarmed at, at like the fact that someone would even ask that and like they don't even respond they just like throw the ball back and start and like carry on with their day no one notices it except for like me because i feel like if a normal person noticed it and were thinking they would have been like dude what are you doing uh but think that's a reflection of the time that we're in right now uh but also like (laughs) literally i guess the thing that you're asking people these days is yo have you been vaccinated even as they're picking up the loose ball that's rolling <laughs> off your court when playing pickup basketball so a uh, little bit of a story uh into into steve's life here but that's what was average in my life this last week that was quite the journey you you uh you said exactly what you were gonna say and you, and you uh you gave it to us so thanks thanks for that <laughs> hey man just going for for b minuses here um hey, that's all that matters we're, we're two years away from being two years away, uh, as they say. Um, all right, back to trade deadline content. So we hit really the, the two biggest ones, but I think two more under-the-radar ones uh, we need to talk about because they're going to be important for the playoff race, too. Um, the, the first one that I want to talk about is this Norman Powell trade from Toronto to Portland. Uh I guess what what are your initial thoughts on that? Because yeah, I don't want to jump the gun on you, but like this this seems like it could sneakily like swing a second round series. The fact that like that like Norman Powell's now on the Blazers and gives them like another gunner that can put up twenty on any night. Yeah, and it's it's it is really interesting. I've actually been monitoring his performance quite closely since he got traded, just for fantasy basketball reasons. Um, and yeah, I mean. Gary Trent is is going to be good. Rodney Hood is passable, like, but having a like a like a pure scorer like Norman Powell to just to even to draw away from from CJ and Dame is basically invaluable for a team like the Blazers that like basically just needs to outscore teams, right? Like they're not going to win games because of their defense. Um, they're not they're not built like that really. Um, and it is a little surprise. I mean, the other thing is Gary Trent's going to get paid this offseason right like given with it with the caveat of like we don't know exactly what the cap's gonna look like and everything but like Gary Trent's in line for a pretty big payday um so the Blazers were never gonna be able to keep him and Powell's contract is actually pretty reasonable uh he's in the like the 10 million dollar range um so yeah I mean it, it gives Terry Stotts so many options in terms of how you can stagger your second unit and I think that's what's really important for a team like the Blazers is because you've got so much offensive firepower up front with with Dame and uh, and CJ, but you know you can really steal some minutes with a second unit that has both CJ and Powell, or you know any any kind of combination of those two, and so it, it just gives them so much more offensive flexibility that it it really even though it came out of nowhere, it was a really good deal by Neil Olshey. Yeah, well, and I think the other thing is that I don't know that. I don't know that you're losing anything on the defensive end with with Powell versus Trent. Um, maybe, maybe a little, but I think it's negligible. 
Yeah, and, and so, like, look, I mean, I, I think there's a fascination with, like, Gary Trent, you know, throughout the, like, throughout, like, in NBA circles. And, like, the thing that I, like, you always have to ask yourself with this type of thing is, like, do you think Gary Trent will be a better player than, like, Norman Powell is right now? I, I honestly don't know. Like, I, I think the answer, like, could be no. And I, by that, like, standard, I think it's, like, a good, like, it's a good trade for the Blazers. Um, and, and I, I mean, the, the fact that you're not giving anything up defense, I mean, their whole, like, weakness has been wing defenders mm-hmm. um, throughout, like, this run that they've had. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I, I like... It, it, it never like felt like having Gary Trent out there was like a liability. Yeah, Steve, your headphones are being weird. I, I'm I'm thinking of um, hold, please, for technical issues. I'm thinking of like a world where uh, where they have like a lineup that they're closing with Gary with uh with Powell like. CJ and Dame and like how do you just how do you keep up with that you know if you need a bucket at the end of the day yeah, yeah no I, I and I think like again when you're talking about really having I mean the 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 Western Conference is going to go through basically one of like LeBron and AD and they're going to have to play either the Clippers or the Lakers basically right like if they want to get to the Western Conference Finals uh, you know in a, in a in a in most universes out there they'll have to play one of those teams and they were never going to have the wing, the wing defenders to stop those guys. So you might as well just try and score as much as you possibly can and turn it into a track meet against. Yeah. And like, they'd be best off drawing. Like if they could draw somehow like Denver and Phoenix in the first two, like they need to, they're they're definitely one of these teams that needs to like tank intelligently so they can get the best draw. Um, if they need to. And I like, cause I think, I think they're, they, they're a better match. Like their best matchup is like, Denver. I, I if I were Portland, I'd want to play Denver, Utah, or Phoenix. Phoenix, like way mm-hmm. over any of those teams. A thousand, I mean, a thousand I think, percent. I think any team would say that, but because of their lack of wing defenders, like there's no way they're winning a series against the Clippers and the Lakers. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, and you know, I mean, just taking a cursory look at the at the Western Conference standings right now. I mean, two games separate three and six right now. And the seventh place Mavericks are are two games behind that. So there's obviously going to be a lot of of shuffling, and it's going to be an interest. I mean, and granted, there are ten less games than normal this year, so I, I think it's going to really kind of turn into a chess match down the stretch. But yes, I think overall your large point about not wanting to play the LA teams for the Blazers specifically uh, holds. All right, shifting gears now. Let's talk about Victor Oladipo and his. Like it's almost like the, uh, the he's been through like the uh, who are those two guys that it, it's Darrell it's like, Arthur. He's he is in the uh, he he he'll be able to write like a book one day, kind of like Nick Stauskas and yeah. uh, Wade Baldwin on the time that they were traded like four times in a week. Like holy yeah. crap, Oladipo! But like. Okay, I don't know if the bigger question of his trade is what the hell are the Rockets doing or, oh, my God, Miami could be scary good. But, like, I don't even know where to start. I think you have to start with Miami because I'm guessing Oladipo's agent told Houston, like, he's not staying. And why would why would he, right? He's a, he's a guy that's had his fair share of, of health problems and 
Um, I mean, he's not old yet, but he wants to go somewhere where he has a legitimate shot to win. And I honestly, after all the bad teams he was on for four or five years, I don't really blame him for not wanting to stick around on our rebuilding project in Houston. So I think, I mean, because Old Depot's up at the end of this year, right? In the, uh, he'll he'll resign it. He'll resign in Miami, but he was going to be up in Houston, correct? So, I think so. even that even you know, so what? The, the Rockets got Avery Bradley and Kelly Kelly Olynyk's actually kind of balling out right now. So good good for Kelly Olynyk. Uh, and they got a pick swap next year. Um, so I mean, but not like they're going to use it. So, um, it's. Yeah, he oh so he did turn he Oladipo did actually turn down a two year extension uh about a month and a half ago. So um obviously he wasn't resigning. Obviously the Rockets just needed to do to get something. Um and so that'll free up a little bit of cap space and um you know Oladipo was gonna was gonna wasn't gonna stick around, so we might as well just was just focus on kind of Miami and not the garbage fire that is that is Houston. Right. But like let's talk about this Miami team though. Yeah because you know, yeah. They okay, so you know some would have said that they they peaked last year. It's gonna it's really gonna be hard to like win the East again. But I mean, Dragic is still effective. You know, Jimmy can still carry a team. Like, I mean, you know, you got Bam doing his thing, doing his thing down there, and now you add Oladipo into the mix. I mean, I think I think that team in a playoff series you know, can go at least like toe to toe with the Sixers. Now they might not have enough firepower for the Nets, but they slow the game down. You know, I mean, we just, like no one thought this team could beat the Bucks last year and they just bullied yeah. them. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, it's the, the key that you mentioned there is, is how they actually like their pace of play. Right there. And I think we, we noted this last year, I think as people started taking notice of, Hey, wow, heat are actually kind of good. Um, is that they very much play within themselves and really largely dictate the pace of games. I mean, and as, as someone who watches a lot of college basketball with, with that favors a team that plays slow and controls the pace of the game, it's not it's not easy to do. You really have to be disciplined, and that's what Spolstra has been stressing. I feel like with these guys and having a guy, but having a but you know in in the years kind of after LeBron, they were really missing the guy, and now they have it with Jimmy Butler, and. But yeah, I mean, you have you have Oladipo now, and he's he's still kind of working his way back into things. But uh, I mean, the, the potential there is is significantly higher than with Kelly Olynyk coming off well, the bench. It, it, it's like it's like, and again, like I don't know how they're totally gonna use him, but like, so when you like think about a playoff series, and I know we like we harp on this on on here, but like. It really like bench depth doesn't matter. It really just matters like who your best seven are. And like I'm not gonna like forgetting about the Bucks for a second. Like we know that the next the Nets like seven rotation guys are stacked. But mm-hmm. like all of a sudden when you have a team that's like all right, Bam out of bio who, you know, like fresher legs, you know, than than any of the guys that they'll have in the post there. And then, you know, athletically Oladipo and Jimmy can hang with anyone you know uh, I'm not saying that like Dragic is like like Kyrie Irving would take you know or Harden would you know put Dragic on skates a lot but like you know Dragic been around the block and then you you know you throw like Hero and and Duncan Robinson in there like like you can talk yourself into them being competitive with the Nets right 
Yeah, especially because, and I mean, I know I specifically, and you, you to you to an extent, also have been harping on this, especially ever since the Nets traded for Harden. But like, and, and they, they're locking in a bit more recently. But they've also been playing a bunch of really crap teams. Like, they still can't. They still have a hard time playing defense. And in a game like as and as you talk about every year, the game slows down in the playoffs. Defense matters. Like you have to be able to really lock in on that end and you can't just hope to score 130 points and just run your your opponents off the court, especially with the uh, just the ability to keep scouting for a seven game series. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I You can do more than just talk yourself into it. And that they're the heat. Not only, you know, holding serve, but maybe winning that series. I mean, and, OK, let's, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves or anything, but it's it's definitely possible, especially on the heels of last year and especially as. Oladipo gets more into the, the swing of things with, with Miami. Um, the ceiling just, just gets higher. Yeah. I mean, and I don't see a world where the hype train like follows Miami, which is like how they prefer it. Cause like, right. we're going to go into the playoffs this year and people are going to be talking about like, they're going to be talking about the Sixers and the Nets and Bucks. you know maybe, a, maybe a little bit of Boston, but everyone knows their fault. I mean, like no one's going to pick Miami again and they're going to roll into a series with one of those teams. They're going to, steal game one on the road and it's going to be like the same thing it's going to be like why did we you know why did we uh it's it's going to be like those those celtics teams you know back in the like early 2010s where it's like why did we forget about this team uh and so yeah Yeah. and and uh yeah you know so i i guess that's really all i had to say about the heat but i i think while we're on the nets wanted to shift to talk about their recent acquisitions, um, it, really you know, just focusing on the Marcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin um, and what, what that does for them down low, which again, like you just hit on it. it it's post-scoring, but are, is it doing anything for you on the defensive end? I mean, it's hard for, it's, it's, it's hard to get much worse, right? Like, I mean, granted, their, their numbers have been both, and I haven't, haven't checked like defensive ratings or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's it's going to be, they're going to be the team that just tries to run everybody off the floor in the playoffs. And I think it'll work for two rounds as they play. I mean, let's, let's just look at, if, if the season ended today, what, they'd get the winner, is it they'd get the winner of the 8-9 game? Is that what it is? Well, and, and you know, to be honest, like, you, we've already seen the Knicks play them competitively just yeah. because they defend, so. Right, yeah, that's true. Um, that, that's a, that's a very good point. But I mean, if, if we're looking at, we're looking at a second round series with, with Miami or and Atlanta doesn't matter. If we're looking at a second round series with maybe the Knicks, just could, you know, keep them, you know, keep them close for a couple games. The Celtics aren't, you know, is, is a thing that could happen. And they, and, but the one I'd be terrified of is my, is ending up with Miami in the second round. Um, but I, I, I think that's less likely to happen based on uh, the fact that the Heat are fully healthy and, and over their COVID stuff and they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. But yeah, so I, I think once once the Nets really get into having to play this, like if the Nets have to play the Sixers, like how does any how does anyone on that team hang with Embiid now that Jared Allen's gone? Yeah, yeah, I think. Mean, I mean, not that not that, you know. The Sixers aren't aren't without their issues, also, but well, it's I, not it's I'd not going to be a walking. 
It's not going to the, the Nets are not going to be able to just breeze through the first two rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone would love a Brooklyn Philly Eastern Conference Finals, but yeah, the Heat somehow will find their way to crash the party. Um, Milwaukee, obviously, like you know, I know we haven't talked about them. I um, mean, I think the we're not going to have enough time to talk about this necessarily, but I think that the Holiday extension was like a sneaky good signing. But the the last thing that I want your take on. Which, if you want to go back to the holiday one, you can. But I want, like, a three-sentence summary on this Rondo-Lou Williams trade, which was probably the funniest one of the deadline. Um, yeah, okay, so so quick, 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 just aside on, on holiday. I mean, the Bucks like, really were in no man's land. They had to do it. I'm sure they didn't want to pay him as much as they want, as much as they ended up doing it, but they, they, they had to. I mean, especially with, with the mishap with the Bogdanovich trade over the summer, they really got to show that they're serious about, about really trying to keep improving the team and holidays had a, a, a great season and makes them better. So, you know, it, it makes sense. I'm sure it's not quite as what they wanted in terms of how the dollars are going to work, but it's, it's good. Um, yeah. The Ronda, the Ronda Williams, they, I mean like Lou Williams basically threatened to retire, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, Rondo will give the Clippers like an, uh, a little bit of a different vibe than what they had with Williams just because he'll, he'll play defense and be more of a, a distributor, which like in the playoffs, you really can't say enough about taking care of the basketball and, and having some guard defense. Um, Williams on the Hawks, like uh, he's gonna, he'll be around. I don't, he's not a make or break for the team. It's a weird, it was weird. It was weird. That's all I got. I, I think that's, that's the best summary for that. Um, it was weird. And I think with, with that, we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we let before we let you guys free from our tomfoolery here, um, we're gonna do what we do at the end of every podcast, Brett. We're gonna fire some people. I'm gonna go first because I'll let you end it because I'm sure yours is better than mine. Um, I am going to fire someone that was just fired uh, by the name of Paul Pierce. <laughs> oh boy. We're not going to spend too much time on this. Paul Pierce was just fired by uh, uh, ESPN for being a no good, very bad dude and filming himself being a no good, very bad dude. Um, and all I really have to say is you're uh, don't do stupid things that'll get you fired, um, especially when you have a job that looks like you don't have to work that hard and you get paid a lot of money to do it. So um, if you're looking for a life lesson from from the podcast. I'm not going to repeat that because it was very wordy, but don't be a Paul Pierce. Brett, that's, who are you that's firing? Good. That's good. Um, all right. So in a, in a break from tradition, I'm actually going to be hiring someone today. Oh. Um, so I would like to hire Utah State men's basketball player Marco Anthony, uh, who is just a dude on Utah State. However, do you know what his jersey number Steve, is, Steve? It's, it's something between 0 and 99. Oh, man, how did you get... God, this game isn't even fun anymore. Uh, no, so his, in short, his jersey number is 44, and he was asked about it for some reason, and he said he wears it because in honor of the Wendy's 4 for 4 value meal. <laughs> and that just made... As, as, a, as a person that loves Wendy's, it made me so happy. And he... Marco, Marco Anthony, you're hired. You got to come on the podcast. You got to... You got to... Yeah, that's that's what we got. Oh, let's let's get in contact with his people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you want to get in contact with our people, you should uh, 
send us an email at uh, 140, 140 no, that's the wrong podcast email. It's two years away pod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at two underscore years underscore away. Uh, go to the cave near, Steve, near Steve's apartment and do a cave drawing to get in touch with him. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in today. Um, and sticking with us throughout this. Uh, we hope you enjoyed, um, our content. Look out, um, for our next couple of episodes here as we take you through the home stretch of the regular season and right on into the playoffs, things are heating up uh, in the NBA and, um, with a new wrinkle to the playoffs this year, it will uh, make it all the more exciting down the stretch. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, always free. feel free to leave a rating um, on iTunes or Spotify, whichever platform you use to get your podcast. We'll be with you guys next time. Take care.